Today I want to talk to you about something that I believe that many of us experience. And it's all centered around a word that has become one of my least favorite words. Now before I tell you exactly what this word is, I want to tell you a little bit of background of this word. There's really nothing wrong with this word. We're going to hear it at some point of our lives and that's going to be just fine. But most of us don't like hearing this word. I especially started hating it at the time when I began to have kids. It was a one word that I didn't want for them to say because it was a one word that made things a bit difficult for me to be a parent. What is that word? What's that word, Dave? No. The word no. And of course, we know that we're going to hear it at some point of life. We're going to fill out an application to a college and we're going to hear a no. We're going to apply for a loan at the bank for a home and we might hear a no. We might apply for a job and we might hear a no. But there's no time that the word no is so painful as when the life that you brought into this world says it back to you. Now for me, it was okay with my son. He went four whole years and, you know, he had just got into talking a little bit. And we we're very particular about making sure that his first word wasn't going to be no. I'm happy because his first word was, the word was dad. That was awesome. But then a few years later, my daughter came along and we tried to make sure that her first word wasn't going to be no. Her first word happened to be pizza. And I was happy about that. But after a little bit of time, we, we, my children realized that there is this powerful word that they can use to be able to, get, to try to get their own way. And that word was no. And oh man, do I ever hear it. How do you feel whenever you hear this word? Whenever you try to go out and do something and you hear this word spoken to you? Do you feel rejected? Do you feel like you've done something wrong? I believe that these things can all happen as a result of this word. And today what I wanted to do is to look at rejection a little bit differently and to realize that we haven't been rejected. Let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we ask for your blessing as we talk about rejection and face rejection today. We ask that you will bless us and that you will give us more of your power and your grace as we look at a text in the Bible through fresh eyes. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This story is taken from the book of John, John chapter 4. It's talking about the woman at the well. And you're probably wondering, what, ex what does exactly does she have to do with rejection? We're going to get into that a little bit. But what we do know about this story and the stories around this in the book of John is that Jesus in the book of John is trying to talk about all of the things that he does because he wants to. Not things that he has to do, not things that he feels a need to do, but things that he does because he wants to do it. Let me give an example of that. In John chapter 1, we, he, we read the story about how Jesus came from heaven to earth, left all the comforts of heaven for this place called earth to live just like you and I do here on this planet. He didn't do it because he had to. He could have been just fine where he was and he could have stayed in heaven for as long as he wanted and everything would have been just fine. But he did it because he wanted to. In John chapter 2, we see Jesus at a wedding party. And at that wedding party, they run out of, uh, out of wine. And while they're running out of wine, it's not actually Jesus' problem to fix. But then Jesus tells them to go get some water pots, fills the water pots up with some water, and turns water into wine. Why does he do it? He could have just been like everybody else at the party, just enjoyed himself, gone home, and he would have been okay. Did he have to? No. He did it because he wanted to. In John chapter 3, he has a meeting with Nicodemus at nighttime. And now for us, that doesn't seem like it's anything special because we stay up at night all the time. Some of us stay up all night. And it's easy for us because we have the blessing of electricity. Back then, they didn't have that. It was dark. You didn't want to be out at night. You couldn't see things. You could trip over something that was right in front of you. But he meets with Nicodemus at night. 
Does he have to do that? Couldn't they wait until the morning time? Of course. But why does he do it? Because he wanted to. And in John chapter 4, we're going to talk about that in a moment in a little bit more depth. But then in John chapter 5, we see that there's a man that is at the pool of Bethesda. And while he is there, he's been there for 38 whole years. He can go another day without being in the pool. He's learned to live an entire lifetime without knowing how to walk. But why does Jesus heal him? Because he wants to. In John chapter 6, we see Jesus feeding the multitude of people with bread. He multiplies the bread, feeds them. He could have sent them home. The disciples even said, we should send the people home. There were other alternatives. But why does Jesus do it? Because he wants to. Jesus in the book of John is doing all these things that he wants to. Not that he has to do it, but he feels a need within himself. And I've always said that it's better to be wanted than it is to be needed. Has anyone else ever experienced that? To be needed means that there's some type of external circumstance that calls for you. That a person calls you when you need it, when they have nowhere else to turn to. There are no other alternatives. Deep down inside, they may not even want you there. But they need you so they, they connect with you. But Jesus operates a little bit differently. He doesn't do things because he needs to. He does things because he wants to. So whenever something happens in our lives, it's not that Jesus needed to. It's that he did it because he wanted to. Any blessing that we have, he brings it to us not because he needed to, but because he wanted to. The life that we experience today is as a result of Jesus wanting to. You are wanted. And in John chapter 4, we find the story of a woman that seen, it seems like nobody else wanted. Now I want us to put on new eyes for this one. Because I believe that her story has been misconstrued for so long. But today I want us to look at it with new eyes so we can see just how far Jesus went to say that she was wanted. First of all, when we start in John chapter 4 and we start reading in verse 4. The Bible there says, he had to go through Samaria on the way. Now here's the thing. Back in those days, the Jews didn't like the Samaritans. The Jews were down in the south, and then there was Galilee, where Jesus grew up, up in the north. And in the middle of that, there was this land called Samaria. Now most people, when they traveled, if they wanted to go from Ju the Jewish part, which is in Judea, to the Jewish part, which is up in Galilee, they didn't want to go through Samaria. So here's what they did. They would cross over the Jordan River, walk up on the border of Samaria so they don't touch their land, and then cross back over the Jordan to get back into Galilee. But here we see that Jesus somehow felt the need to go through Samaria. I believe that what happened with Jesus was that he knew that there was somebody there that was going to be in need of his presence. He did it more because he wanted to. He wanted to make sure that he gave himself the opportunity to minister to this woman. And then there comes out this woman from the Samaritan village. And it says that they're by the well in, 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 that Jacob had built. Now this is important because this woman is all alone, middle of the, middle of the day, there to go get water all by herself. In those days, people didn't go get water by themselves. You went with other people. You took turns carrying it. It wasn't like the plumbing that we have today that brings water straight into our house. Getting water was a really tough thing to do. And most of the time they would do it in the morning time because that's when you had a little bit more energy. Besides, you're going to need it for the rest of the day. But this woman, somehow, she doesn't fit in with everybody else. So here she is, middle of the day, at a well. Now in those days, socially, you wouldn't want to be caught at the well in the middle of the day. It just wasn't the time to be there. 
As a matter of fact, do you notice that the Bible tells us that the disciples also were, pre- were absent? Jesus goes to this well in the middle of the day, a place where nobody else wants to go in order to meet a woman that's been outcasted by everybody else. Here's how it kind of works in my mind a little bit. Jesus turns to his, his disciples and he says to his disciples, I'm going to go hang out at the well. The disciples probably look at Jesus and they say, who hangs out at a well in the middle of the day, you loser? And then Jesus says, well, I'm going to go. And his disciples say, well, we're definitely not. Because it was socially unacceptable to do that. So here this woman, she feels the need that she has to go to the well at this time because she doesn't want to go with everyone else that had rejected her. So she takes the time to go by herself and do something that is socially unfit. What does Jesus do? Jesus chooses to be like the social unfit person. Instead of doing what is socially fit, he goes to where the woman is, and now you have two people that are socially unfit sitting together. You see what Jesus does for us. This woman has been rejected, and instead of casting her off like the rest of society, Jesus meets her where she is and gives her the, probably the only, the first acceptance that she had had in her life. Now here's where the story gets a little bit hairy. Because growing up in the church, I've always heard this story and they've always made it seem like this woman was promiscuous and this woman was bouncing from man to man. If you were to read it in the scriptures, the Bible doesn't say that ever happened. You know what the Bible does say? The Bible says that she had five husbands. It doesn't mean that she was bouncing from man to man because in those days, women couldn't put away their husbands. In those days, a woman cheated on her husband, she was stoned. It wasn't that she was never going to be allowed to marry again. What was happening was that there was man number one, married her, didn't like her, rejected her. Man number two, married her, didn't like her, rejected her. Man number three, married her, didn't like her, rejected her. Man number four, man number five, and now the sixth man that she's with right now doesn't like her enough to even want to marry her. Are you following what I'm saying? It's not so much that she was promiscuous, she was rejected. She was known as a woman that no man wanted to be with. She was fully rejected by everybody else. And that was her reputation. The woman who couldn't keep a man. The woman unloved. The woman unacceptable. And in those days, what she was able to do was sink down to the bottom of the social ladder. Because here's how the social ladder worked. At the top of the social ladder were the Romans. The Romans were the ones that had power at at that time. Lower than that, you had who the Romans tolerated but didn't like, the Jews. So you had the Romans in first place. The Jews in second place, and the Romans tolerated the Jews. And of course, tolerated doesn't mean that they liked them. I remember one time when I was in the army, we had to go for an eight-mile hike. Around 400 meters into that walk, I had got a rock in my shoe. I couldn't tell everybody else to stop, so what did I do? I tolerated it for the next 45 minutes until we got a time to take a break and I could take that rock out. But just because I tolerated it doesn't mean that I liked it. So the Romans tolerated the Jews, but they didn't actually like them. So you have Romans, Jews. And then the Jews look down on the Samaritans. So Romans, Jews, Samaritans. But also in this culture, you had a different hierarchy that came as a result of gender. So after you have Samaritans, you have Samaritan men and then Samaritan women. And then with women, you have different levels too. You have women that are single, we have women that are married, which are higher than women that are single. And of course, women that are married in this society, that even if they were if they were widowed, they will maintain their status. But there are women that are married and then women that are single. And at the bottom of the bottom were women that were once married that were now divorced. So where is she now? Having been divorced five times, she's at the bottom of the social ladder. 
She's been rejected time and time again. It seems like nobody wants her. But then Jesus comes along to let her know that she is wanted. And here's how we know that she wasn't exactly as promiscuous as we have been taught that she was. In the Bible itself, down in verse 7, the Bible there says, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, please give me water to drink. Now, sometimes we can miss that really easily because it doesn't seem like there's much there. But we got to remember, we got to transport ourselves back into Bible times. Back in Bible times, what happened at a well was considered kind of flirting. Are you following what I'm saying here? If you were to go all the way back in the Bible to the book of Genesis chapter 24, here's what you would find in Genesis chapter 24. You would find one of Abraham's servants trying to find a wife, and it all centered around what happened at that well. If you can get me water, that shows that you're open and you're available, and you're willing to talk, and you're willing to, to go. There's another verse in the Bible. This is found in, in Proverbs chapter 5. In Proverbs chapter 5. And there the Bible says in Proverbs 5. Let me, let me make sure I, I have this right. It's, my, it's, it's Proverbs 5 verse 15. And it says, drink water of your own cistern and out of your own well. The very next verses talk about finding comfort in the person that you've married. In other words, what the Bible is trying to say here, what happens at the well, that was a way of flirting in those times. And Jesus here is trying to give an example of how, just how virtuous this woman really is. He asked for water. Now, if she really was as promiscuous as we have told her story to be, what would she, what she have done? She would have got him some water. But what does she do? She says, no, that's not my place. This woman has boundaries. This woman has morals. This woman has virtues. And she is still rejected. This tells me something. Because sometimes when we feel rejected, what happens is that we believe that we're the ones that are the problem. We believe that we're the ones that have caused this. And we're in the position that we're in because I'm so bad. Here we're finding out that that's not always the case. Sometimes it's not us that's the problem. Sometimes the issues are above us. Still, there is a way to come to acceptance. And that way is through Jesus. Another thing that this tells me is that when you go through your rejection experience, people are not going to understand you. People, we have misconstrued a story for thousands and thousands of years. Don't be surprised that when you tell your story of rejection, if people misconstrue your story. If people make it seem like this is all your fault. If people make it seem like the reason why you're doing this is because you're so bad and there's some sin that you need to work out in your life. That's normal. That's natural. What we have to do is make sure that this doesn't get to us. So then what do we have to do? We know that Jesus came by. Jesus was able to talk to her. Jesus was able to bring, bring acceptance upon her. And Jesus was able to let her know that despite what she's gone through, she is still loved. Despite the hierarchy that had been set up by society, she was still wanted by one that was even above where society is. That she was wanted by the very Savior that all of these different people were looking forward, were looking forward to coming. And she had the opportunity to be in his presence. She was wanted. Even though she was outcasted and put on the margins of society, even though she was looked at the lowest of the low, she was still wanted. And what does that tell you about you and I today? Because you and I are going to be just like this where we're going to do all that we can, the best that we can, and we're going to feel like we've been rejected. But even though we've been rejected by social standards, by society itself, just know that while all that of mankind or all of this world may reject you, you can find acceptance in Jesus. 
Jesus doesn't, all, Jesus doesn't look at the way that things are. Jesus doesn't measure you according to where society measures you. Jesus instead does it because he wants to. You are wanted by Christ. It's not so much that you are needed, but you are more than needed. You are wanted. When Jesus endows things upon you, it's because he wants to and because he loves you. So what I'm trying to say today, looking at the experience of the woman at the well, she was rejected by society. She met up to no societal needs, no societal standard, even though she and herself was a moral individual, was a person who had lived a life full of standard and boundaries. Even though those were part of who she was, she was still rejected. You're going to face rejection in this life as well. But as you face rejection, always accept that rejection of man doesn't mean rejection of God. Just because human beings might treat you some way doesn't mean that it's a reflection of who God is. And it's important to accept that because what's going to happen is that when you go out there and you try to do certain things and you face that rejection, what's going to happen is that people are going to tell you that this is in the will of God. You don't get into that college. Oh, it was God's will. As though God was the one that was trying to bring rejection into your life. Don't embrace it. Rejection just, ha just happens. Just because someone says no doesn't mean that it's a no from God. Because you're still as accepted by God regardless of what you go through. You might not get that job and people are going to blame it back on God or blame it on you. Don't take that. Instead, accept that God is not working against you. God is working for you. You might go out there and you might try to do something and you might not succeed. And people are going to blame it on God being against you. It was all in God's will. And it's going to hurt. Instead, just know that instead of it being that God was against you, that when you went alone, when after your rejection and you sat at your personal proverbial well, that Jesus met you exactly where you were, that Jesus was in the rejected space that you are now standing in, that when you get a rejection letter, the rejection letter from college, that Jesus got one too, that when you got rejected on that loan, that Jesus got the rejection too, that when you try to do something and you didn't succeed, that God wasn't one on the other side making you fail, but instead he was rejected with you. He stood in your position in order to make sure that he had your life. And, it be, and when you can't lift up yourself the same way this woman could not lift up herself, that Jesus is going to be the one to lift you up. This message is for anyone that has faced rejection, for anyone who was misunderstood, for anyone who is at the outskirts of society. If you are accepted by Jesus, you are wanted. And that acceptance by Jesus trumps all of the rejection of mankind. You are wanted, you are accepted, and you are with Jesus.